Hey, y'all, this is Rob with the Rob Report, representing Filthy Rags Outreach. You know, so it's like, yeah, we're here again, you know, and I want to just start off and just uh, let you guys know that uh, yesterday I went to the hospital. You know, I reported to you guys a while back, you know, I had some issues. So I went, got my scans and everything. So you guys just pray for me, you know. Um, I think everything will be okay. I feel great, you know, and uh, yeah, I'm here, you know. So I want to also, you know, just ask everybody, just put your prayers out there for them people out there in Ukraine. We got a lot of kids out there you know, this dying and it's like, it's just crazy seeing this type of stuff out here, you know? And so I was just asking everybody just uh, pray for God's protection for those kids and for those people out there and that we can have a peaceful resolution, you know? Yeah. It just hurts my heart, but also on a good note, uh, my boy Curtis Rogers, you guys have probably heard him on the Rob report as well. You know, he finally got his, uh, tax exempt status for his uh be inside or out so you know he's going to be out there pushing his artwork out there on the streets for us you know so uh we wish him nothing but success so keep him in your prayers too and uh jessica where you at what up jessica <laughs> where you at all right now hey you just filed for that um you just filed for that uh legal grant you know to help some of the guys in the prison could you talk about what that looked like a little bit maybe it's a 20 20- $20,000 grant a year for two different years. And um, really it's just, you know, to support legal um, legal aid for for different organizations, different 501c3s, um, you know, depending on what, what they do, what their specialty is. Um, you know, so we're going to go for that. Um, we have another grant that we applied for last week and another one we're applying for um I think it's due the 29th. So we've got three actually in the works. Right on, right on. Yeah, if I could just add a little bit too, you know, like inside in the prisons, you know, a lot of times we are, uh, we're locked up and, you know, people don't have jobs, people don't have incomes, people don't want to leech off their families and they're not even able to really fight the things they need. You're not able to uh, afford the birth certificates, uh, pay for your legal stamps, mail, uh, fight your legal cases or anything like that. So I think that that one that uh, you file for that legal aid will be huge uh, for people in prison and people transitioning up out of prison too. You know. So yeah, what was the other one you filed for? There was one called the N to N grant. Um, Jamie's the one that found that and um, took a lot of the the wording that we had from one of our other grants and plugged it in. And um, it's a seventy five hundred dollar grant. And what they do, they like to support BIPOC organizations and organizations that are just starting out. Um, she seems pretty sure that we'll get that one. She's been talking with one of the um, the people that, you know, do the grants. Um, so she feels pretty confident about that one. And then the other one is um, the, the bigger one was the Group Health Foundation grant. Um, that's the one we turned in last. Oh, shoot. I don't even know what day that was. It's such a blur. Working on grants is such hard work. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, eventually uh, things will start working out. We can start getting a lot of good work done in the community. I mean, right now we just have violences at an all-time high out on the streets. I just seen this morning where the, uh, well, they just had that stuff that happened up in New York where the guy did the stuff in the subway. And then I seen the mayor up there calling out the Black Lives Matters because a lot of times, you know, groups like that will only come out and protest against, like, the police. But at the same time, I think what he was just trying to say is that we have to be accountable to the communities, you know. So, like, we're losing a lot of lives out there. 
And so it takes people, people have to start speaking up. You can't just speak up when things are happening uh, against the police. You know, we got to speak up and we got to be honest with our people and honest with what's going on in our communities too. So like, that's really, that was really profound this morning. And then it's kind of ironic because, you know, we got a, we got my guy Jesus, we going to interview tonight. And, uh, you know, he actually had said something along those lines about two years ago that I thought was really profound. So we're going to uh, talk to him in just a second. It's about it's about that time, too, so he should be going in any second. Anything else you got on the table, Jessica? Um, no, we're just we're looking for a space to um, to have an office. If anybody has an office that we could use maybe once or twice a week, that would be that would be great. Anywhere from Seattle, Tacoma. But G's actually on the line. So let me um, let me bring him in. Hello. G, what up? What's happening with you, bro? Oh, it's good, man. Hey, check it out real quick. I just wanted to let you know that we podcast, right? And uh, we basically just trying to educate, you know, the people out there, let people see that we uh, in the prisons, we can change our lives around, change those narratives. But at the same time, we want some of the kids to be able to learn from us, too. Yeah. So, you know, um, it's really good to have you on the line. You know what I'm saying? Because uh, you've been doing this for a while, you know, and uh, you coming out of California so I just wanted you to just kind of just introduce yourself real quick. Uh, well, my name is G. You know, that's what I go by. It used to, it used to be lengthened as gangster, but I had to cut that whole life short. So I cut the whole name short. And now that's where I came down to the G. And so now I kind of function as a, as a more of a positive push. You know, I started it off negative like most of us do, you know, just doing doing what we thought was lined up for us. We thought that was the right thing to do, so that's what we got in line to do. I did all of that, you know, then, you know, eventually started kind of waking up by being sat down for such a long stretch, you know, start picking up on new stuff and start realizing that, you know, the game was set up from the beginning. And, uh, you know, nobody likes to be played a fool, so that kind of became a motivation to push for the change, you know, start having kids, start seeing that you don't want your kids to be in that same light that you didn't have to go through. So you always want something better for your next generation. So that kind of becomes part of your motivation. And so that that's what it happened. You know, I, I realized I had babies to deal with and things that I wanted to see them do. So I had to change myself in order to give them something better to look forward to. And, you know, that blessing was shown, you know, a lot of, you know, none of my child, none of my children are on their way here. So that's the blessing. That's all, that's what I was asking for, you know, and changing myself was giving them something better to look forward to. Yeah, yeah, that's what's up, bro. Hey, listen, too, uh, just so you know, we uh, we going to try to tighten this up before 8 o'clock. So if, the, if your phone hangs up, please call right back in so we can finish. But I wanted to just ask you something real quick. Uh, the people out there probably don't know, but you coming from California, it's a different vibe than out here in the Northwest. Could you just briefly just describe the difference between being out there and then coming up to the Northwest? I think the the, the vibe that I caught that was a little bit different out here was it was a, it was a little bit more loose. Uh, the lines was drawn more tougher in California. I, you know, I, I was all through L.A., you know, and I grew up in all parts of L.A., like uh, Hollywood, uh, South Central, uh, Inglewood, you know, and everybody's, you know, everybody's lines are drawn real tough. So wherever you at, you know where you at. And you might be, uh, you might be one line, you know, one street from crossing that line. 
But uh, out here, when I came out here, I realized that you can kind of wiggle around a little bit with a little bit more ease. But you know, I think as time is going on, uh, it's starting to kind of, that same kind of mentality is starting to kind of spread its way out here. I'm seeing a lot of people that are kind of like trying to hold down, you know, these streets and these blocks like they own them, you know, and that's the same kind of mentality that was out there is like, you know, you representing these streets and these blocks, but you don't really own nothing on it. And you dying over that. And you, you know, you getting pushed in these, into these uh, prisons over them streets and things. But at the same time, you're not really understanding the whole project of putting it together like that, you know, but I think, now in California, you know, they've been doing that for so long. Their next step now is, you know, from people that I'm talking to is they're starting to try to buy up them blocks. They're starting to put money together and buy pieces of property in their neighborhood. Yeah. And so I'm seeing that that they kind of starting to catch on to the, to the whole thing. You know, it's trying to slow that gentrification down that we still seeing out here. We, we're seeing that right now out here is that gentrification. You look at Seattle all them parts of Seattle that used to be looked at as urban and all of that. Now they kind of pushing them cats out and, you know, pushing cats more South. And, and, uh, even in, even in Tacoma, they're doing it to people. They're pushing them South, man. They gentrifying it. And so, you know, it, it causes a, a, a major problem. It's, it's pushing people just out to the outskirts. And, uh, and then all the money is being surrounded, you know, the, all the places where you can make money, is being surrounded by money. So the, the rent and all of that type of stuff is going up. And that's what they was trying to do, you know, to L.A., but a lot of them cats started to catch on. And uh, even in the Bay, they started doing it. Uh, you know, people started uh, putting their money together, pooling their money so that they own something. So when they come in trying to buy up stuff, we still there. You know, we own some of the stores. We own some of the properties and so you can rent from us, but you ain't about to buy this from us and then take it and turn it into something that, you know, that you wanted to, to be, you know. I done put my blood and sweat into it, so now we're going to keep it here. You know, we're going to keep it, and when it get good, we're going to still be a part of it. Right, right. For sure. Like Nip, you know, that's what, like, when Nip left, that really hurt me, right, like, bad, because I'm like, bro, he had it, honest. He had that old, old spirit. And they took them. That hurt me bad. Yeah. I wanted to ask you too, man. You know what I seen? What's that? Uh, no, go ahead. Do your thing. What was you saying? Well, you know, when I when I seen with the with the NIF situation was that you got to, it's, it's even like when we trying to do things like this at that same thing, it's it's a very fine line that we can't, we have to stand on to maintain out of the streets. You know what I mean? So you can't, you can't have street politics at the same time you're still trying to pull them out of the streets. You have to let them know that, that you have to cross all the way over. You can't have one foot in, one foot out, because that's where a problem right. will start. You know what I mean? You can't, because yeah. you can't live peaceful if you if you still got a foot in the streets. Right, right. I like that too, man. That's that's that. Yeah, because I be telling cats that too, man. You got to either you got to be both in or both out. You can't be right in the middle. Yeah, you're right about that. So, yeah, I wanted to ask you, like, uh, you know, being out here, you see, I know you see it a little bit different because a lot of times we're out here, we're locked up with, like, the same cats that we might have committed a crime against, you know, and because of, like, our, our color, our culture, we end up coexisting in this environment, and it seems to me like 
that's a bit counterproductive. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, I just wanted to know, like, what's your view? Oh yeah, that's most definitely. It's uh, it's it's it comes. It it can be productive once you know cats if, if cats get into using that same mentality that we end up having to adjust to once we come up in here when they step back out. You know, if they if they learn how to stand on their own too and really stand for what they know is right, then when they get back out of here, out of here they able to kind of spread that same understanding to cats. Like, look, man, what you're doing is pretty much a waste of time because the same people that you're bumping heads with are going to be the ones that you're going to have to break bread with when you get, when you get sat down in there. And so they're not mm-hmm. realizing that until they get here that the same people they think is their enemy is the ones that's, you know, that's, that's the one you're going to have to turn to when you get here. And so when cats getting out of here they have to kind of wake people up to that because if that, if we can create a network of people to understanding that, then you can get way more, you can get way further. You know what I mean? It goes right back to that. Start owning the stuff you, you think you fighting for, you know, the, the, these numbers that you putting on yourself and these names and, and in these streets that you putting on yourself, start owning some of it. You know what I mean? And, and it'd be easy to become an owner of it. If y'all working together, if y'all if y'all understanding that we ain't got to be tearing it up, uh, we got to we got to work together in here the same way we we got, and that's the same way we got to have them understand that they got to work out there together in order to get forward. Mm, right, right, for sure. I definitely agree with that. And you know, like we trying to educate people too, man. And a lot of times, and we're doing a great job of that. But a lot of times, people think like when they think of gangs. They only think of like blacks and Mexicans, right? But we know that it's deeper than that. Like even with you, you're 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 black and uh, Tongan, right? Yeah. Right. And so like we have uh, we have Samoans, black Tongans, Asians, and all that. Can you kind of just uh, lay out a little bit of the demographics so people understand it's not just black and Mexicans? Oh yeah, no, nah, no. Nah. The, the system, not even, not just the prison system, but the whole the street system and everything got. It's got everybody now. You know, everybody's involved in it as far as uh, having a gang, uh, a gang culture in their in their immediate culture. You know, and it all stems from having somebody in the streets that represents you. And so, you know, these cats will end up in the streets and they want to run them streets, but they might not have anybody else that looks like them. They got a handful of them, and so they're like, well, you know, we got to hold our own down. So then they start becoming a gang. You know, and then they like they look at it like, okay, well, in order to be respected, they fall into that same culture. They start following the same rules, and it do, and it's done. It's doing the same thing that it did to the blacks and the Mexicans, and it's taking them away from their true culture and creating that that street culture. You know, that that gang culture, and that's a that's a that's a made up thing. You know, that that's that culture was made up hundreds of years ago and Cass is just reliving it over and over again. But it ain't nobody ever won in that in that culture. You know what I mean? So they keep us running into it. Like right now we young in the game as far as that goes. That's why the ones that's why the ones that have been doing it then already kinda leveled out. You know, they done leveled up on us and they done left all the people of color down in the in their uh fighting over crumbs. Yeah, for sure. So you know, back in the day, you used to be in uh, you used to be rolling around in this prison with these prisons with entourages. You know, sometimes you'd be twenty, twenty-five deep. You know, and so like, 
uh, I just want you to tell the people what made you kind of switch that up to where you just decided to, one day you just woke up and said, you know what, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to just stand alone and, 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 and just be the best version of me. Oh, yeah, well, well, you know, yeah, I, it, it did. It was kind of like a wake up, too. It was kind of like, you know, one day you just I just woke up and had that feeling like, man, uh, the light's the light's been kind of dark, so I had to take the time to just turn the lights on and realize, okay, what's really important. And so, I could, you know, I started realizing, hold on, I, I want to leave up out of here one day. And so, in leaving out of here, I know I got to change my whole mental because uh, you can't you can't free your body until you free your mind. And so, I knew I had to really change my whole thought process and everything. So my first my first day was to kind of like, let me figure out what do I want to do, uh, you know, as a grown man. If I get out of here tomorrow, what's, what, what's next? And, you know, first thing was first was that's when, that's when I got uh, uh, into my art. You know, I got into that artwork. And so then uh, getting into that artwork is what gave me a foundation to – to like kind of step back from stuff you know i started kind of stepping back like man i'm busy you know because you got to feel it when you when you when you subtract something out of your life uh you got to feel it with something else you know so in in taking away all of that you know all of that negative energy and all the negative actions what i was feeling it with was the artwork i was doing you know i'd start getting into different things and talking to different people and, you know, just kind of walking a different line and letting, you know, and then as time goes on, you let people know this is what I'm on. It's kind of like they, they kind of like fell back on their own. I didn't even have to tell nobody like, you know, uh, like you said, I'm running around with 10, 15 people, but uh, and every time I move, a, a whole shift goes with it. And so <laughs> when I kind of changed the walk, yeah. You know, it was you know, but when I changed the walk, it was like they they gave me that much respect where they was like letting do his thing because uh, they seen I was trying to stay out of it. You know, I was trying to stay off of that off of that ledge. So they was like uh, being respectful and stepping back and like letting me do my thing and just kind of watching me from a distance. You know. Like, I still could walk up on anybody, talk to anybody, and, you know, shake a hand all day. But, yeah, I don't, I, I keep, like, you know, I might be by myself or with one or two people in a conversation, you know? Right, right. And and you brought up something. You brought up something that I'm going to touch on it. So, so just follow me real quick. Because it was, like, 18 years ago when we was over at the Bay together. And uh, I remember when they was doing those art shows and stuff. And everybody was coming to the unit to look at your art. You know what I'm saying? And then, like, we uh, end up fast-forwarding. And then we get to, like, McNeil Island. And you over there painting murals. Like, where you're doing the murals and stuff. And we're all taking pictures, you know, uh, with your murals and stuff. You had the murals up in the, uh, the gym and everything. And then you get down to, uh, like, Coyote Ridge. And then you're doing, like, murals. You're painting all over the place. You know, you're doing drawings. You're designing shoes. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, you know, I used to always tell you, like, man, bro, like, you're supposed to be a millionaire, bro, with all this talent you got. But when you think about, like, the talent that you have, do you ever think about how much time you wasted with your life? I don't I don't look at it. I, I don't look at it as a waste. I don't think I'd be the artist I, I am now without going through what I went through. Ain't no, ain't no, ain't no artist that pushes out certain, you know what I'm saying? Most artists that you see, 
that become prolific and become that have hella, you know hella deep and meaningful work, you'll look at their life and you'll realize they done been through some things. Ain't nobody, ain't no uh, prolific artist that has really deep and meaningful work. Just that artist that done had a nice life, went to school, went to college, graduated, and put out some meaningful and prolific work. It don't. I don't think that adds up right. I don't think it even comes out with that kind of uh, with that kind of passion, unless you've been broken and you know drugged through the dirt and and been through those things. So, you know, I, I feel like I had to go through all of that in order to be who I am right now. Because I, I mean, we, you know, I didn't had opportunities when I was younger to kind of change that path and go down the art path before coming through all of this. And I was like, man, I'm, right. you know, already stepped onto that path, so I had to finish that route, you know. And, and uh, I don't think I could have stepped off. I, I didn't feel like I could step off that route until it ran its course. And I had to, I had to go through all of this before it ran its course, so I had to do it. And I feel like it made me who I am. And, you know, I appreciate who I am now, you know? Right. Right. For sure. For sure. No, and that's great, man. That was a great way to answer that, too. I, You know, and I, I appreciate that, bro. I want to know, though, like, if, if anybody uh, wanted to see your art or anything, do you got a website or anything to show any of your stuff? Yeah, I got the uh, I got the Instagram up right now. Uh, it's under J. Uh, uh, it's under uh, capital J capital I underscore the underscore artist. And uh, that's where I've been putting, you know, I've been putting some of my latest works up on there. And, you know, that's that's the only thing we got going right now. And, you, know, you know, I'm starting okay, to get to the, cool. the whole business side of everything and figure out, you know, put myself out there a little bit more as I, you know, the closer I get to that door the more I'm going to keep trying to get out there and kind of let them know that I'm there and let them know I'm closer, you know what I mean? But I got the Instagram yeah. up right now. Well, that's cool, man. I'm glad you put your information on here because we got a small following, but they'll probably be checking your stuff out. Okay, I wanted to uh, switch it up a little bit, and um, I wanted you to tell the people what it's like trying to, like, uh, raise your kid or even just stay relevant in your kid's life while, you, while you're incarcerated. Oh, man, that's... <laughs> Yeah, well, that right there, uh, that I had a I had a vision like I had a thought process of it uh, years ago when I first realized that this is what we're doing. We raising we raising our kids and having these relationships with them uh, twenty minutes at a time. You see how these phones get cut off every twenty minutes, so that costs money. And so we gotta we gotta budget this type of money. You know we can't be putting that much of a strain on them, uh, or or their parents. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know our, our our children's parents or children's moms and stuff like that. So we can't be putting extra strain on them. Uh, but we're 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 trying to budget that 20 minutes to give them as much positive affirmation. We're trying to push them in the right direction as far as education. Trying to give them an understanding of who we are or who, you know, and the reason why we in the situation we in. And so it's a lot that goes into it to, you know, kids is, is, is smarter than people give them credit for because they do it real simple. And so you, if you keep it simple with them and just stay truthful with them, it's usually, you know, it's a usually an easy thing to, to kind of navigate through because they're going to tell you what they want. 
it's really easy. If you keep that conversation line open, you keep that communication line open with them, they'll speak to you. And so I learned a lot in being a father uh, through this system. And I think it makes you more appreciative, you know? I mean, I've, I've, I've even seen people come in here and kind of be stuck at the conversations or at the relationship that I got with my kids that they didn't even have with their kids being out there. Like, they're like, man, I, you know, when they stop and think about it, they're like, man, I haven't, I don't even talk to my child uh, for 20 minutes a week, you know? And here, we in here, we kind of set these days, like, man, I'm going to call you every two weeks, I'm going to call you like twice a week. And in those 20, in those 20 minutes that we get with them, we really try to get as much as possible, you know? So uh, then you get some visits every now and then. Hopefully you can get good visit times and all of that to kind of, uh, you know, get that quality time. But that's not, that's not even a, uh, that's not the majority of us in here that are fathering that have that action, you know? And I didn't have right. that action for years, you know, in, in, in all these years, I didn't really have that much action. You know, my daughter was born while I was in the County and, you know, I, I probably spent, you know, we've been, we, we talk on a regular, but I lost probably four or five years, you know, uh, just I lost contact with her for like four or five years between the age of like four and nine. She was gone. I didn't, I didn't talk to her mom and none of that for like four or five years. So when she got back up to me, you know, when I got, you know, when we got back to net, back together since then, every week. I'm talking to her every week. I've been speaking with her, you know, been blessed to be able to have her come visit and, you know, get time with her and really, and really kind of install who I am as a man and who I look for her to be, you know, the kind of, the kind of person I, you know, would like to see her be. And, you know, it's a, it's a blessing though, that they, they, uh, that they listen to it because they, they're not guaranteed to listen to what you're giving them because they might feel some kind of way that you ain't there. So I used to always be thankful to my daughter and be like, man, check this out. I, you know, I appreciate you that you even give me the chance. And, you you know, I let them know that they appreciate it for even forgiving me. That's, you know, because that's the love right there. When they're forgiving you, that's, that's yeah. them loving you. And so I always let her know how much that was appreciated. And I think it, uh, you know, she told me something that kind of, kind of took me back. I mean, and this is what I was aiming for, but to hear her say it was, was like, I was like, man, I did that and I did it on purpose. Like, you know, cause like she's really picky about men that she considers, uh, to be in a relationship. She don't really look to be in a relationship with just anybody. And she said the reason she does that is cause she's looking for someone that loves her the same way that she sees me love my wife. And I was like, that's what you're supposed right. to do as a man. And that's what I was aiming for. That's what kind of made me, uh, you know, step in the direction I started stepping in because it's where I was at. I was like, man, I don't want, I don't want her coming home with the dude I am right now. And so I right. started kind of changing, shifting my whole, my whole energy to make sure that she seen a better person, you know what I'm saying? So by the time she was able to look at me for who I was, I was somebody better than who I was. Yeah, we love the kids, man. And it's, you know me and you, we both been doing the same thing, raising the kids in prison, man. It's, and it's not cool. 
you know, and uh, man, you're doing a good job, bro. You know, and I remember the day when you were telling me about your daughter and uh, having the dude calling you sir. You, you, you're old now, you know. We, we, we old, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, it's like, bro. We look at each other now. It's like, bro. We done grew up in this in this prison, man. This is crazy, right? And uh, you know, yeah. just keeping along with that real quick. And if the phone hangs up, bro. I want you to answer a question for these guys, but uh, the question I want you to answer when the phone hang up is, uh, you know, and stay on the line because Jessica will go give you some information, but we see some cats in prison still holding on to their glory days as if the streets still love them. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, I wanted to ask you, do you think it's just a lack of education, pride, or ego on that? But hold on to that one first. You know what I'm saying? Because I want to go backwards to something you said at a Filthy Rags outreach meeting one day. You said something one day, and when I left, I said, you know what? Gangsta ain't gangsta no more. It's over. You know what I'm saying? And uh, you said, uh, we was uh, talking one day, and you said, man, I don't understand. You know, and you was like, uh, all these guys is out here protesting, you know, when uh, when the cops kill one of us, but how come we ain't using that same energy when we kill each other? And, and in that moment when you said that, right, I didn't expect you to say nothing like that, right? But uh, when you said that, I'm like, man. The game's over for G. It's for real. You know what I'm saying? But I want you to, like, talk to the people about that. You know what I'm saying? Because it, it, it's real, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, we'll trip, you know. And, and that's what I was telling these guys. Like, we, we trip with each other. But if somebody comes and gentrifies us and tells us to move out the neighborhood, we ain't fighting with them. You know what I'm saying? But we fight with each other. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? All the time. And uh, so I just wanted you to just kind of elaborate on that with the people real quick, you know, because I thought that was hella profound. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, I see it on a regular, and sometimes, I mean, most times when I'm seeing it, it's frustrating because that's the thing that I feel like Cass needs to wake up to is you digging yourself into that hole that you, you mad that you in. You mad that, you know, that, that, that there's these people or this, this, this government or this whoever it is that you feel got that boot on your neck, you mad at that and you angry about it, but at the same time, you're not willing to do what it takes to get from up under it because you got these prides in your mind. You got all of these different things that they didn't built into you. They got you thinking that that kind of stuff is uh, fully important. And so now you done bought all the way into it. You don't want to let it go. And that's that, that's that, uh, that glory days you're saying that they hold on to people get into it and they don't want to, you know, they think that they really believe in that they're getting something out of it. Are they, they going to, uh, you know, come up out of it successful, I guess. I don't know, because to me, I was like, you know, we always stepped into it with a goal. And we was like, okay, we're going to try to do this and try to do that. But we was going about it the wrong way. But now, when these casters doing stuff, now I'm like, okay, I'm asking them, what's your goal? What are you in this for? What are you doing? What's your, what's your main point and your focus of what are you trying to achieve? And a lot of them, you know, they don't really have an achievement. They don't have a goal in line. They're just like, oh, I want to get some money, you know. Oh, okay, well, you get some money. I mean, you didn't have some money. Well, what you going to do with it now? And it, and, and and they're feeding off of each other, and it just don't never, you know, that that's a cold cycle uh, that they, they've been kind of embedded in us, you know. They don't even understand that that has been embedded in us since, man, since way back, three, four hundred years before, to kind of use each other to climb up is the crabs in the bucket uh, syndrome, you know? So it's, every time somebody's getting out, if you, if everybody's struggling, when the, when one gets to going too, too far, if he ain't really picking you up with him, you're going to try pulling him down. And that, 
becomes a, a bad situation as far as a whole culture of that. You know, a lot of people ain't, ain't so, and a lot of people is not really feeling the, uh, the understanding that that comes from something like the Willie Lynching. That's Willie Lynch syndrome type stuff that they've been embedded in. Yeah. And so they don't even realize every time they, do, you know, these little jokes that they got or the way that they play, they don't realize it's, it's something that's embedded in them with that kind of thought process. And so you still got cats looking at, you know, dark skin cats looking at light skin cat, light skin cat looking down on the dark skin cat, or the, you know, the, the tall cats is making fun of the short cats, and the, so all of this type of stuff, and they becomes, you know, they, they they keep trying to figure out different ways to put themselves into different groups instead of figuring out a way to understand that you all in the same group, you all you all got a boot on your neck that you need to kind of mm. come together to figure out how to get this boot up off your neck. And so, uh, uh, like yeah, like you said, I you know just seeing cats be mad about somebody uh, disrespecting them, or being mad about uh, somebody disrespecting another person that looks like them. The police shooting down a young black man in the street. So you mad about that? But at the same time, is you mad about when your homeboy did it? Your homeboy just knocked down somebody. You ain't gonna tell him that he's out of pocket because you're gonna try to justify that in some which your way. So. And understanding that's the same, it's the same thing. They don't, uh, uh, they're not putting it on the same level because they're not loving themselves in the same way. And that's what it comes down to. It's a lack of love of itself to see it. Because if you say, okay, I love myself and I love my people. I love, I want to see everybody that look like me, anybody that's been going through the same things as me. I want to see all of them get from up under it. So that, and seeing that, it's going to take a major shift. And a lot of them are scared of that shift because they feel like they have to let something go that is themselves. They done became, uh, they done became associated with these names, like that's their identity that they know. And so when they have to let that name go, same way I'll let a gangster go. I know a gangster, a gangster can go. That shit can be over with. And so I feel like once it's gone... You know what I'm saying? Once it's gone, it's nothing for me to build, rebuild something else in a better way. If I built that, right, and I, I could build something else. I don't have to hold on to that and think that just because I put 20, 30 years into that, that I can't make something else. You know what I'm saying? So I knew that I could make something else and make it better. And that's what I did. I chose to do that. And I think they can do it. They just have to have the courage to do it. They have to have an understanding that Somebody got your back in doing it the right way. You know what I mean? So I always, I still give it to them. I still let them know, man, the love is here. Whatever you choose to do, I'm going to love you for it. You know what I'm saying? So that's what they have to understand is love is is without conditions. I'm not going to love you because I'm just going to love you, period. You know, I'm not loving you because you this. I'm not loving you because you that. I'm loving you because you're supposed to be loved. And that right there will give a person that courage to stand in that light. You know what I mean? They don't have to try to create these fake loves because that, that, that game ain't got no love. That game is, hey, that's, that's the opposite of love. You living in fear if you living in that. And you, can, you know what I'm saying? All your functions and your, your, your decisions, all your decisions is made out of fear. They're not made out of love. And so that's 
the understanding that has to be shifted for them. 